to the Covenant Eyes podcast. It's Karen. I'm back. And we are in January in a new year. And we are talking about trafficking. Sex Trafficking Awareness Month is January. So we are super excited. We're having all sorts of guests on this month to really help raise awareness, to encourage you to get involved and to share some of the amazing work that's happening out there, and then also help you get connected with those organizations. I'm joined with my co-host, of course, Rob Stoddard. Hey, Rob, how are you today? Good, Karen. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Oh my gosh, I am just really feeling a lot of inspiration from the different guests that we've had as it relates to addressing trafficking because that is such no, a dark for sure. Yeah, it's such a dark topic and it's it's really heart-wrenching to me that it is still something that we're talking about, you know, 23 years later because Covenant Eyes has been long in this game fighting against trafficking and it's here we are 23 years later and we're still talking about this. So I want to see us oh, make some yeah. gains. Yeah, well, today we're going to hear from one of those people that really on the front line of of fighting against this and just a wonderful organization and ministry. And so let me just start there. Uh, our guest today is is Dan Immer, and Dan is the founder and executive director of Worthwhile Gear. And so Dan spends his time really giving oversight and guidance to that uh, organization and uh, uh, just evaluating future plans and, and things. And so, um, Dan, welcome to Covenant Eyes podcast, first of yeah, all. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for having me. It's great to be with you guys. Yeah, well, good to, good to have you here. Dan, could you start out with just uh, giving, giving our listeners some of your background and also really just explaining what Worthwhile Wear uh, organization is and what you're doing, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. Well, again, I appreciate the opportunity because for for me and for our organization, it's important to raise awareness, to shine a light on this issue. And the best way to do that is to use platforms like this to get the word out there. Um, and as far as who I am and my background and how we, you know, how we started this and, and the work that we do, it's a much longer story than we have time for today. But really, it's it's a God story. I, I say that my life was interrupted um, in the sense that I was pursuing a, a, the American dream, that career I had worked for an engineering job, which afforded our family, you know, a house in Florida, a house in Pennsylvania, all those nice things. My wife was able to stay home and raise our two kids. And then I learned about human trafficking. And it's one of those where I feel like sometimes we are interrupted for a much greater purpose. And so that um, American dream got sidetracked to pursue something else. And that was the developing a, a, a model, a comprehensive holistic approach to serving survivors and so Worthwhile Wear, we started in India by helping um, survivors get out of trafficking and stay out through the making of Worthwhile Wear apparel. And then today, um, the past 10 years, we've been developing models and programs here in, in the northeastern side of uh, the, the country, uh, namely in Pennsylvania, the tri-state area, New Jersey, Delaware. And um, we are, you know, humbly share that we offer the most comprehensive services to survivors in the state of Pennsylvania through our outreach programs that run from Philadelphia out to Harrisburg, through our housing programs. Uh, we have two houses in two different counties, as well as employment. Uh, we offer those through our worthwhile thrift stores. And so we have a unique model. It's very holistic in its approach. But the the issue and, and the, the trauma that's caused from trafficking requires a holistic approach. And so that's why we've modeled ourselves in such a way. That's incredible. And I love, you know, we had you on, I think maybe a year ago to kind of talk about some of the work that you were doing. It might have been two years ago. Time flies when we're having a good time. But 
I'll tell you, it was really amazing to kind of hear how God did interrupt your life and got you on this track with your family to really serve and to help people coming out of uh, sex trafficking. Can you talk a little bit about these houses? You mentioned them briefly, but you've got restoration homes where people go when they're coming out of the industry and they can find that hope and healing. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and the reason we have these is because the feedback we've, we've received from survivors before we even opened or went down the path of opening a home, we asked, what do you need? And what we heard over and over again is, we, you know, the, the comment of I needed time. I needed time to heal. I needed safety. And so um, the program is called The Well. And in that is we have these, these houses where we can provide them the, the respite that they need and really to build a new foundation and to really address trauma. And so the housing program is, is a two-year model where they have a lot of time, ample time to um, build that new foundation, build relationships in the community, and uh, again, address that trauma. Because what we've also often seen, you know, and I think many of us and your listeners included would say, um, I see people in my community and they go into a housing shelter and then they come out and maybe a few months later, they're back in or in a recovery center and they're out and then they're back in. And the reason we see that so often is because so many of our people in our communities and, and including those that have been trafficked have a, a significant trauma in their life. And in our case, we're dealing with sexual trauma. And it's so, um, so large and so comprehensive of an issue for them that they never have addressed it because it's scary to face this trauma. And if you never address that trauma, you tend to be in a repeating cycle. And so the the housing program allows for that, um, you know, as well as our outreach program, we, we spend a lot of time addressing trauma. And we hear time and time again, we just had two graduating classes over the past month. And, and the women all said, I've never been in a program like this. You're the first one that's talking about trauma. And, and they're also realizing the importance of that. And also being recognized and seen as whole individuals, as individuals with worth and value. And that's so empowering as well. You know, Dan, so much of your efforts are really to, to help these survivors and, and to provide these things and holistically move them forward. But a good part of your work also is just the awareness of the issue itself in the communities and our churches and things. Can you speak a little bit to that of really why our country needs to be uh, you know, more aware of this issue and, and how do they help? And so how, how are you doing those things? Yeah, I mean, you you hit it on the head. If we are always offering services to those affected by trafficking, but not working to reduce trafficking, that's not benefiting really anyone in the long term. And our goal is to um, raise awareness for the sake of moving the needle in the other direction, as opposed to seeing more trafficking to seeing less of it. And so awareness plays a big role of that. Our, our goal each year is to reach as many individuals as we can. And so we have, a, a you know, an average reach around 200,000 individuals through our, our different campaigns that we do. We do a lot of that through our stores, through speaking engagements, churches. And um, what we look to do is help um, individuals understand, number one, what does it look like and, and what can you do? And also the other part is the demand side of it. What does that look like? Um, just recently, we partnered with Exodus Cry, who creates video content and films. Uh, we're doing a, a Northeastern premiere of their film called Buying Her. And the purpose of that is we said we want men to come out. So we canvassed everywhere. We, we have a theater packed out, oversold, actually. We're um, doing a premiere 
uh, shortly with that. And and the reason why is, again, to raise awareness. So um, we have an event also that runs uh, May 1st to July 30th, and we end on July 30th because that's World Day Against Trafficking. And um, it's an opportunity for individuals from all over the country to go out and they log miles. So as they log miles, they unlock donor dollars. And that's something that your listening audience can participate in. We see national interest in that and coverage in that. And our, the reason for all that comes back to, if we can help raise that awareness, it helps break that cycle. And so it breaks in on a couple of different fronts. It helps uh, youth, predominantly it's youth that we're seeing that are first introduced into this. The average age of a trafficked individual at, at onset is around 13 years old. Um, it helps the buyers. When we talk about the the typical buyer in the U.S. is, is predominantly Caucasian, usually around 49 years old, usually a, a household income of $140,000, um, usually usually married, 67% are married. Um, so it's individuals that you and I see in our community. And so when I hold these events, and I've held other events in the past where I see individuals in the room and I see them squirming in their chairs, right? Turning uncomfortably. And I know there's some there. And I know that because they've come up to me afterward and shared how they've bought women as a product. And, and so it's so important because that allowed us to have a, an honest discussion. And I'm not forgiving you of what happened and what, what you did, but I, I'm saying the ownership you're taking is the first step. And then working to prevent others from doing it or even considering it is the next step. And so awareness is such a big part of it. And we love to engage our, our community that way, uh, also in volunteering. And so we want people to say, this can be part of your story, not just one you hear about, but one that you can make your own. You know, I think the stories are what really help people because, I mean, there is, there's been a lot of media attention in the last 12 to 18 months about trafficking, which has been great because a lot of people that weren't aware that trafficking was such an issue, I think are starting to become more aware and Films over the summer like Sound of Freedom have helped spur that conversation along as well. But what are some of the stories of people who have come through it? Because I think at the end of the day, a lot of us, we get involved in organizations. We want to make a difference. We contribute. We we help in our local communities. But we never get to see the, the survivors come through on the other side. And we those stories are so powerful because it inspires you know more people to get involved when they hear about that. Can you share some stories of how people have come through your program and come out on the other side and just really... Um, you know, are doing much better and, and healing and hope and hopefully helping others. Yeah, I, I think for us, you know, one of the messages that we want to carry forth, because it is such a heavy and hard topic, oftentimes people feel left helpless when they hear about trafficking. But we want people to understand that healing and hope is there. And so when we work with survivors and when we share with audiences, it's like, hey, don't leave feeling hopeless be hopeful because change is happening. Um, it's it's awesome you asked that question, Karen, because I just it was sat down with one of our um, participants yesterday who has been with us through the Worth It program, which is our outreach program, has been through our housing program. And we actually were talking yesterday about uh, her graduation coming up uh, next month. And so what was exciting is to see where she was and where she is today. And I was talking with some of my leadership team and, and one of them uh, who was newer to our team was saying, well, is she like, is she a graduate candidate? And I just started laughing. I said, if you met her when she came into this program, it was one of those where I said, I don't think we can help you, but that's the beauty of it is, is the reality is no, we cannot help you, but with God, 
change can happen. And so this young woman, she came into our program where she didn't know how to respond other than yelling and cussing you out. She had a lot of hurt, a lot of abuse, a lot of trauma in her life. Addiction became part of that. And this is the first time in her life she said in her own words, I'm thinking and working and living with a sober mind. And it's because of that trauma being addressed. And so I shared with her, I said, I, I said, I am so incredibly proud of you because I saw you from two years ago to where you are now. And you are a different person. You are a leader and you're helping others because she said, Dan, what I love is I get to talk to other women and I'm sharing on a regular basis, my story and encouraging them. And that goes back to why we call the housing program, the well, because that's based off of John four, where Jesus meets that Samaritan woman at the well. And what does she do? The woman who is ashamed of her past, she goes and brings a city to Christ. And so we have this, you know, this, this great joy with a, a graduate you know, on the cusp of graduating, I should say, as she's sharing, hey, I'm, I'm, I can see this huge change in my life. And that's what we want people to know. When we work with them, it takes time. It takes building relationship. It takes investment, not just of dollars, but of ourselves. But when we do that, we see real change happening. And so that's just one example of many, um, including those other graduating classes from our outreach program um, that have been happening. And we're seeing that change take place. And, and it's because of you know, again, you shining the spotlight on it and others shining the spotlight on it that we get to see this take place and we get to to engage with our awesome community to see them get involved and help these lives change in a positive way. Praise the Lord. I mean, for the work you're doing and just seeing those lives change, that's what it's really all about. So that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, Dan, I had a question. You know, you started out really um, working overseas, providing um, you know clothing and, and things. Is that still a big part of what you're doing as an organization, or has it centered more now here in the U.S. Uh, helping people? Yeah, it's a great question. A lot of our, our, I would say, majority of our work is in the U.S. We still do our work in India as well. Um, I work with the team there, and that that's back and forth, you know, on a regular basis, weekly. Um, and so we still have that engagement involvement. It's changed over the years, but it's something that's still, you know, kind of the where we started at, and we want to still be doing. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's also um, something where I have I've been overwhelmed by the response from our communities here. I didn't expect that. I didn't know what to expect, honestly. And so when we started out, we said, okay, there's a need here and we need to provide a solution. But what was really um, kind of changed the game for us a bit is to see how much the community stepped up and said, hey, we want to be part of the solution with you. And that's what informed us to kind of start putting more efforts here in the US than we were originally, um, because we saw not only was there a great need, but a great response in the making they just needed a framework and a, and a partner to work with. And so that's what we love doing. We love partnering with organizations and churches and individuals to get involved. You mentioned churches and getting involved. Are Is there a way for a church to engage with your organization or to have a speaker come to the church and kind of inform and educate the church congregation? And then, of course, you know, the congregation can get involved in a variety of different ways, I'm, I'm assuming, with your organization. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Again, great question. I, and I didn't even feed you these ahead of time. I mean, but uh, yeah, so far as getting engaged with churches, again, that's my heartbeat is to get involved with churches. Um, I I remember I came back, I grew up as a missionary kid. I grew up in, in Ukraine. 
Um, and I came back as a young man and I wanted to get involved. And everywhere I went and tried to serve, I kept getting every variation of no, because people didn't know how to engage with a young man that wanted to serve. And so I said, let's make that a priority when we work with uh, the churches and individuals to get them involved. And so for churches, a lot of times I, I'm almost every Sunday preaching and speaking at churches all over. Uh, that's part of my role is to go and, and spread that awareness. And then that second part is the engagement. So we have opportunities for churches to get involved in a variety of ways. Um, and, and so we say to churches, hey, if you want to get involved with us, um, we have a national engagement coordinator, national engagement manager that helps connect churches to us. And then the ways they get inv involved is they, uh, you know, they financially can support. They can do that. They can volunteer. Uh, we have groups and volunteer opportunities. If you're out of state and not where we are, the other way you can serve, and this is uniquely different than any other way that I've heard proposed, churches actually can host that outreach program that I mentioned before. So the Worth It program is hosted in in, in counties and, and, and states all over where they invite women that have experienced sexual trauma and abuse and trafficking into their church. So the net is cast a little bit wider because oftentimes trafficking survivors won't first identify as a survivor of trafficking. They'll say I'm a survivor of, of sexual assault. And then when we get deeper into that story, they understand that. And so we partner with churches all over to host the Worth It program. And it runs for about five weeks in their church. And we tell the church, listen, you don't get off the hook. You don't just get to host it. You have to also be the missionary, invite them back, invite them to be part of your community and, and encourage them and help them in any way you're able to, because they are where you live. And so we've seen such a great response. And that's in part why the Worth It program is so impactful, because women are building relationship. And we share that with them from the get-go, from the onset. We say, programming's great, but programming is only accountable for about 20% of your success. The other 80% comes from good, healthy relationships. And this church where you're hosting this, where you're enjoying this Worth It program is one of those places where you can build healthy relationships. And so we say churches, get get in touch with us. We'd love to have that opportunity to share how you can be part of this Worth It program um, and, and basically inviting women in from the community into your church and serving them and letting them know that they are worth it. Wow, that's amazing. And the body of Christ, if they can, if we can come around the, these kinds of issues in this, it's, it uh, could do amazing things. Well, Dan, um, we'll certainly, we'll put, um, you know, your information in our show notes, but if people want to find out more about uh, your organization, you know, where, where should they go to find that? I think um, the two easiest places, um, social media is a great one. We're constantly updating, constantly posting every day. And that's on Instagram or Facebook. Um, that's at Worthwhile Wear. Um, and then our our, um, our website would be the other one. So worthwhilewear.org. And there's always information. So as we have events, um, like this film showing that I just mentioned, that'll, that's on there. People can register. Um, when we have the ACT Challenge, when that comes up in May, people can get on there and register and be part of it. And you'll see you're part of a network, a large community of individuals that are involved. And so we we steer people to those two locations are the easiest. And um, there's contact information there for you to be able to reach us as well. That's awesome. And I think there's something for everybody to engage with. So absolutely, everybody, all of our listeners can find a way to get involved and take a next step. I'm most intrigued by the uh, church program that you mentioned. And is that all on your website as well, if people are interested in learning more about that? Because we work with a lot of churches here at Covenant Eyes. So I would imagine there's a lot of pastors listening who are going to be interested in how do I bring something like that into my community and my church? 
Yeah, if you go to our website and go to the programs drop down, they'll be worth it. That'll kind of get you started. And then you would contact us. We have information packets we would send out that kind of walk you through um, if you want to host a worth it program, what that entails and what that looks like and what to expect when you were to host one. So um, we'd love to partner and connect. And, you know, a lot of times churches like, well, where do we even start? And, and you you kind of already hit on it. I often say, hey, let us just come and share. I never, never asked to be on a, on a, a church's mission budget. That's not our goal. I want to engage to get people involved. I want this to be part of their story. So if you're inviting me to come out, it's not to be added to your mission budget. It's to say, hey, how can we get you involved in, in, in joining with us in this effort to bring restoration? Well, listeners, there are going to be links in the show notes. Go ahead and click on those links. Connect with Dan and his organization. They are doing some amazing work. And if we could just start a movement across the country, especially in our local churches like that, I think that would be a beautiful way to start tackling this issue at a local level where we could all be involved. Thank you, Dan, for joining us today. In closing, do you have any final words for our listeners or or one call to action or something really important that you want to share before we log off for today? Yeah, I mean, I think for for everyone, don't feel overwhelmed that this is too big of an issue. Um, We can make a difference. We can help restoration. And even if it's just one individual, because we don't know the ripple effect that that person, that individual will have on others. And I've heard it from, from many women that have gone through our programs, how they've left and gone and shared with others, hey, there is hope. There is hope that we can heal, that we can be restored, and we can help others then. And so that's what your listeners can know, that they can walk away from this. They can say, it doesn't stop there, that trauma isn't the end game. The trauma is a stepping stone. And as that one woman I spoke to yesterday, she said, Dan, through all that I've been through, through the hell I've been through, I believe that God has a purpose for it all. And that's what I want your listeners to know, that there is hope for each and every one of us. That is amazing and so true. God bless. Well, Dan, uh, thanks again for joining us today. And for our listeners, um, if you like it, like and and share and um, look for the next one. But uh, that's it for the day. Dan, again, thank you so much for all the work you guys do. And uh, it's a pleasure having you today. Thank you as well. It's been great. 